بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala We seek blessings on the Prophet peace be upon him Continuing in Khandelbi's book session 18 We are in chapter 5 now Doing restricting the mujtahids to four imams And number one, three proofs of restricting to four imams Shaykh Waliullah Dahlawi writes in his book Al-Jid Know that there are many reasons behind restricting the community to four imams. There are many problems with following anyone besides the four imams, and we will prove this with strong evidence. Firstly, the community is unanimous that we must trust the pious predecessors in understanding the sharia. This is why the first successors always trusted the companions, just as the second successors trusted the first successors in understanding the sharia. Even the rationale supports this arrangement because the sharia can only be learned by narration and derivation. Narration can only be authentic when it is acquired from the people who precede us. As for derivation, one is dependent on knowledge of the methods of the earlier scholars. This is so as to avoid splintering from them by holding an opinion that opposes the scholarly consensus. So, so you get the difference between narration and derivation, right? Narration is, um, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, what do we use? Naqal? Yeah, and then, and then derivation would be aqal. And naqal, you know, how do we comment or do we translate naqal? Normal? Yeah. I, I have no idea. Oh, okay. Because, like, because, like, you, like, in, like, the, like, the Quran class, knuckle is, like, just a whole other rule that. Okay. Totally dependent. Uh, so, okay. it's, like, so, the first thing I'll say, okay. So, knuckle here, um, like, in Urdu often means you're just copying. Um, and in this science, it means you're just literally transmitting the same thing, mm-hmm. thus copying. Okay. Right? Derivation, aqal, is how you're using a method to come up with an answer from that material. Yeah. Any opinion taken must be based on their opinion and nothing else. To gain knowledge of the earlier scholars, every generation must seek help from the generation before it. As is the case with all the arts and sciences, such as Arabic morphology, Arabic syntax, medicine, poetry, blacksmithing, carpentry, and dyeing. One cannot master, oh, master any of these until he spends time with an expert in the respective field. Though it is rationally po- uh, possible for one to be self-trained in, the, in any field, it is unlikely to happen. Now, so, uh, so, another thing is like, you know, in the past, in the pre-mass, um, what's the word, mass, uh, or pre-industrialization area, mass production era, mm-hmm. um, you know, things were handmade, right? And so there was a, fo- a focus on excellence and a focus on training. Here's how you make a shirt. Here's how you make shoes. Here's how you make pots. Here's how you build a house, so forth and so on. Uh, with mass production, everything gets, gets produced, even bricks get produced really fast. And so now the focus is more on quality control as opposed to excellence. So I mean the average quality should be of a particular standard, right? And so there's much less focus on excellence in everything, right? I mean just for example, look at all the old masjids and look at how beautiful they are, right? Modern masjids where we have so much more technology should be even more beautiful, but they're just very basic, right? To the point that sometimes they even become they become kind of not appealing uh, to the eyes, right? Because it's, it's now it's a culture of mass production, and and so so the point is that a lot of this focus on these different fields like carpentry and dyeing, like dyeing color. I mean, I don't know how many people in the world uh, in America, you know, go through a whole training process for dyeing, right? Now, there's going to be some training you go through with every job that you do. 
but not one focused on excellence. It's more focused to get the job done if you can get the product sold. So we are in a very, very different culture, yeah. and it becomes a much faster culture then. Mm -hmm. Okay, continue. So in respect to knowledge, same thing. Product, same thing. Mass production. I mean, look at what we're look what we're, uh, you know, years ago this would have been a handwritten book. Yeah. And now we're looking at it on a PDF that you could find in one minute online. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when it is understood that we must rely on the sayings of the pious predecessors, it is also important that these sayings have an authentic chain of transmission, that they are compiled in reliable books, and that the scholars have annotated these books to clarify one meaning, where various meanings may exist. In some places, the general am, am, should be specific class, and an indeterminate word mutlaq, a determinate word muqayyid, muqayyid, and the evidence of the ruling should be derived from there, therefrom. The second proof is that the Blessed Prophet said, Follow the majority group, Sawad al-A'zam. Thus, when every madhab besides the madhab of the four imams disappeared, following the madhab of one of the four imams is the majority group, Sawad al-A'zam. And to part from them is to separate from the majority group, Sawad al-A'zam. The, mm -hmm. thir the third proof is that a long time has passed and trustworthiness in people has disappeared. Mm -hmm. We certainly cannot depend on the errant scholars. They would attribute false statements towards the pious predecessors whose trustworthiness and truthfulness is known. Since this transmission through the errant, errant scholars is not dependable, we will reject whatever is narrated by them. As for the four imams, it is necessary for us to adhere to them because their madhabs are organized and systematized. Their books are endorsed by the scholars and are dependable. Therefore, no one can attribute anything wrong towards them. So, <clears throat> there's another point built into all this is that the community aspect of Islam, especially in the United States, has almost completely vanished. And what I mean by this is that, okay, the, the contemporary community in much of, the, much of uh, American society, especially the big cities, will be a number of families that all connect to a particular masjid, right? And so, so <clears throat> uh, but that's not a person-to-person -person connection, right? That's not a connection where you're taking care of and looking out for the person next to you. You know, like they say, they say that it used to be that, you know, if your friend's kid was misbehaving, it was okay for you to punish your friend's kid, right? Now, how dare you talk to my child that way? Don't ever talk to my child, right? And that's a sign that we're all getting disconnected. I mean, the community has long since broken down. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, you really feel it if you're a new person coming to another city in America. Yeah. Because all the masjids are basically, you know, people who, who are their families. If you don't have an established community, at best, maybe you can find a, go, a place to go pray. Yeah. You're not going to find a place to really, uh, a religious place to really meet and congregate and such. And thus, distrust of people increases because you have less interaction with them. You become much more cautious, even though crime is not going to be different. You know? And so, built into all these changes in time... Uh, are also changes in the economy which have led to changes in our society. So people who are reading this section that you just read will find it very, very repulsive and prickly. You know, because they're saying, why do I got to listen to them? Those guys are from a thousand years ago. I have a brain, I have an intellect, I can figure this stuff out for myself. When you actually start trying to apply it, one mistake you're going to do is make your own fatwas. Okay? Which almost always means you're going to take something more strict than you need to. Right? Or you're just going to wipe it all out. And, and, and so thus you become very, very arbitrary in your Islam, mm -hmm. which then means your grandchildren will probably not be Muslim because there's nothing holding them to it, nothing unique about it, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs>
taqlid in the four, uh, to the four Imams is incidental. Mufti Muhammad Shafir, in his book Jawahir al-Fiqh, explains why we, why we follow only four Imams and answers the question as to whether there is anything wrong with following any Imam. He also addresses the question regarding whether following the four Imams is proven to be in accordance with the Qur'an and Sunnah. He writes, Restricting taqlid to the four Imams happened incidentally and was not a legal or rational choice by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every madhab besides the four madhabs disappeared over time and became as if they never existed. Even if 10, 30, 50, or 100 rulings from other from their madhab, from their madhab are saved, one cannot establish a complete madhab based on such a small number of rulings. If one decides to follow them in these rulings, then what is what is to be done in the thousands of other issues where there is no known opinion, where there is no known opinion by them? As every madhab besides the madhabs of the four imams disappeared, it became clear that following our deen would be subject to following one of the four madhabs. Therefore, Ibn Khaldun writes in his Muqaddimat al-Tariq regarding the madhab of the literalist Ahl al-Zahir, Okay. Then the madhab of the liter- literalist vanished because their imams died out, and because because the majority jamhur rejected their followers, and nothing remained of them except their names in the new books. Because mm-hmm. <coughs> these people were so literalist, uh, there wasn't much to apply. Everything was it was almost like a, an academic exercise. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they vanished away. So a common Muslim will never ever hear of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ibn Khaldun <coughs> adds... You can just read the English, that's fine. Okay. Unless you want to read the Arabic. I'll read the Arabic. وَوَقَفَ التَّقْلِيدُ فِي الْأَمْصَارِ عِنْدَ هَأُولَى هَأُولَى الْأَرْبَعَةِ وَدَرَسَ الْمُقَلَّدُونَ لمن سواهم وقد صار أهل الإسلام اليوم علي علي على تقليد على تقليد هؤلاء هؤلاء الأئمة الأربعة. All the different regions only for only following of the four imams is observed, while the following of all other imams have died. When terminologies overwhelmed the sciences, re- reaching the level of ijtihad became difficult because of the inability to fill its conditions. When Ijtihad was about to come in the hands of inept and untrustworthy people and uh, those who did not possess good character of deen, the scholars declared the door of Ijtihad closed. They exhorted people to follow one of the four imams and prohibited them from conjoining madhabs. The rulings and opinions of other imams, therefore, only survived in in the books. Their madhabs never developed and neither were there any books that uh, preserved all the rulings. Once the principles had been laid out, and the train of transmission of, to the imam authenticated, every person took the madhab of their imam. Then the word fiqh in that time became the epitome for following one imam only. The claim to ijtihad, especially in this age, is absolute nonsense, and following such a person is unwarranted. The scholars of Islam are now unanimous upon following these four imams. Yeah, and again, uh, a modern thinker will find all of this language very repulsive. Mm-hmm. Anytime they hear things like unanimous or unwarranted, then they they uh, they have an allergic reaction, right? But again, try to have a fully comprehensive uh, vision of Islam. A fully comprehensive vision of Islam will be a couple thousand pages, right? Like for example, Imam Al Ghazali's 
is something like 2,000, 4,000 pages. Yeah. That's a, a comprehensive view of Islam. And still, he's within the Shafi'i school. He's not inventing his own school. Mm. You know. Imam Shafi'i, I might have his Risala here somewhere. Um, probably here somewhere. But the point is that his Risala is very small. Okay? But that's the foundation of the whole thing. But then all these other Shafi'i texts get monstrously large. You know, Imam al-Ghazali himself has one book, Al-Mufa'at, which is, you know, I think that's like 2,000 pages. And it's basically on legal reasoning. Yeah. You know, you know. Uh, let's see. Let's stop right here. And we'll get, uh, do only the four imams will be followed uh, next time, inshallah. Any questions or anything? It's kind of, kind of interesting. Like, the author, he first, like, is, like, within the... Um, Listener or reader, he's like first talks about like trusting like the Prophet and then the Sahaba, mm-hmm. and then it goes to the four Imams, and then mm-hmm. probably lead up into like trusting your Shaykh or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's so, see where he goes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs>